Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you, Father God, for giving us, Lord, this glorious psalm, Father God, a psalm, Father God, that calls us, Lord, that reminds us, Father God, our human heart, Lord, that wanders, Lord, that wanders away from you, Father God. When we face any obstacles, Lord, our hearts wander away, Lord, from knowing who you are, Father God. Lord, the human mind forgets so easily, Lord, what you have done for us, Father, and what a great reminder, Lord, to end this year, Father, with a psalm and with a call to praise you, Lord, to lift you, Lord, on high, to magnify you, Father. Lord, we praise you, Lord, we adore you, Father God, for the psalm, Lord, and I pray for your presence, and I pray, Father, that each and every word will fall into our hearts, Father God, and it will take deep roots, Father. And I pray, Father God, as this is the last psalm of the year, Father God, that this will, Lord, sharpen us. This will, Lord, make us to be, Lord, focused, Lord, in you, Father. The most holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So Psalm 147. When I was reading this psalm, we see the call here over and over and again, like, praise him, praise him, praise him. Why do we have, why do we need that reminder? We see from the lives of what the pages of Exodus and Numbers time and again, time and again, time and again, how the Israelites forgot to praise their God when they faced obstacles. And we are no different from them. That's why the psalmist continuously reminds us that why we need to praise God because for who he is to remind ourselves, to keep our mind focused in him and to know that he is the one who we need and we need not, we should not forget to praise him in the midst of whatever we are in. So the question is, when does your heart swell up? Is it when God does anything for you? Or is it when you think of who your God is, what he has already done for you? Is that when your heart swell up? The spiritual blessings we have received are to ignite passion and praise to God for his glorious grace. It is easy to become so enthralled and passionate about a spiritual blessing that we forget to stop and praise Christ who purchased them at the cost of his very own life. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 21, just as Israel was chosen to live to God's praise, so those who are chosen in Christ must live to the praise of the splendor of his grace, God's grace to pardon, redeem, and adopt us are to fill our souls with unspeakable joy and our lips with unlimited praise. So is your lips with unlimited praise? Does your heart swell up when you see God's redemptive work in your life? While God does not need our praise, he certainly deserves it in the form of obedience and the spreading of his glorious message of hope to everyone who is perishing in their sins. In gratitude for every spiritual blessings we have received in Christ, may we let our light shine in a manner that points to and glorifies God, the Father in heaven. And that is Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Psalm 147 is very interesting to note. All the huge miracle God does, he determines the numbers of stars and calls them by name. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain. He makes the grass grow for the cattle. He spreads the snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down 
the hails like pebbles. And he feeds the wild animals and the young ravens cry to him for food. And we see the magnitude of our God, that the speed of our horse is nothing to him. How puny in his sight is the strength of a man. And there is so much in the psalm to see who our God is. So if you have the question, how do I praise him? We have, we should not have any other choice than to praise him with all our heart, with complete, unreserved, unrestrained praise to him. Praise allows God access to every part of our life. It is praising God with every part of our life. That is what praise is, complete, unreserved, unrestrained praise. If you look at the book of the Psalms, not only this one, Psalm 114, Psalm 149, Psalm 148, Psalm 146, it all begins with praise the Lord. We don't spend enough time praising God. Praising God is not like thanking God. When you thank God, it is a prayer of thanking God for the specific things he has done for you. Giving praise to God is more of an adoration for what God makes. For, for what makes God who he is. Thanking God is somewhat self-centered. Thank you, God, for what you did for me. Praising God is more God-centered. Praise you, God, for what you are. You know, when we thank God, sometimes, and not sometimes, most of the times, we point that towards us and we become our audience. But when we praise God, God becomes our audience. And praising God is something many of us forget to do. So when was the last time you thought about showing your appreciation to God for who he is? God deserves our praise. He does not deserve wimpy, half-hearted praise. He deserves the praise that comes from all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and with all our might. So how is your praise life? 2 Chronicles chapter 5 verse 13 on, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord. This cloud was none other than the Shekinah glory of God. This was the same cloud of God's presence and power that appeared to the Israelites in their wilderness wanderings. The Lord's presence was overwhelming so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So when you praise God, do you see the presence of God so mighty in your praise? Do you see when you praise God, the overwhelming presence of God? Is your heart swelled up with that kind of a praise? Then we see in Acts chapter 3, the lame man was told that they, he has no money when he was asking for Peter and John for silver and gold. But that they didn't have something they could give. They told that they don't have money, but they have something else that they could give him. They took a step of faith and how many of us would have done what they did? Silver and gold have in none. So look for someone else who can meet your need. They did not say that, but they changed the focus of that man. They changed their focus on that man and they said, focus on what we have. We have Jesus Christ. 
This is what Peter and John did. We cannot meet your need from what we have. No one has been able to meet the need, but we know someone who can. And by the way, he has also authorized us to meet your need. So in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk, I wonder how many more miracles we would see if people would come to Jesus and ask him for his help rather than trying in our own power. What right do Christians have to have, have miracles in the name of Jesus? If you ask that question, then in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sent the 70 out, he told them in verse 8 and 9, and whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is said before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And same in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18, Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick on there, and they will recover. That is the power Jesus Christ has given for you and me. The layman had every reason to reject this help. The doctors could not help him. He probably thought, thought God has forgotten him and the Nazarene Jesus to which name Peter and John were proclaiming healing in. Well, it was well known he was executed on a cross. But the way Peter and John presented Christ to him, it just, it just bounced a faith in this man, a faith that he can hold on to. And we see that he wakes up in the name of the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. He stands up. The lame man now healed, went walking and leaping and praising God. He made a visible demonstration of the healing power of God. He did not hide it. He did not creep away to enjoy his healing in private, but went amidst the crowd to let them know what God has done for him. So how is your testimony for this great God, the mighty God who has done a wonderful work for in your life? How are you praising him? How are you demonstrating the work of God in your life? We also need to give testimony to the miracles God brings. It has the ability to strengthen other people in their faith and to lead people to Christ. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and they were taking note of him as being one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to, to them, to the portico of Solomon with full of amazement. Here in Acts, we see God's miracle working power has drawn a crowd. They had come to the portico of Solomon's court in amazement and what they had witnessed. Here was a man who was just healed, clinging to Peter and John, a living proof of the miracle which has just taken place, which now sets the stage for a deeper working in the lives of people. And Peter sees that opportunity and proclaims the gospel to the Jews. That was the result of that man's contagious praise. His heart was so swelled up with praise that he could not contain inside and he was leaping and praising God with joy. Is your praise to God to that extreme? Is your heart swelled up with praise or is your 
Is your prayer always filled up with petition or with praise that the Shekhinah glory came and filled the place? When electricity became available in a remote rural areas, one woman went to a great trouble and expense to have electricity installed in her home. A few months after the wiring was installed and the power was turned down, the power company noticed that the home did not use very much power. Fearing that there was a problem, they sent a meter reader to check on the matter. The meter reader saw that the power was indeed working properly and then asked the woman, do you use your electricity? The woman replied, of course we do. We turn it on every night to see, to light our lamps, and then we turn it off. I'm going to repeat that. The woman replied, of course we do. We turn it on every night to see, to light our lamps, and then we turn it off. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Having all the power that you need and the ability to tap in all of the time, but only using it just enough to get by. You might say that we would never do anything like this, like this woman at all, because it, it just would not make any sense. However, we do this exact same thing when we praise God. We are not all in, in praising God. Our hearts don't swell up with praise that it overflows in people's life. Like this lame man, how he was leaping with joy, how he was praising God that drew so many people's attention. And that was a great time to proclaim the gospel to the Jews. And the key highlight in the Psalm is verse three. He says that he heals the brokenhearted, binding up their wounds. What an amazing God, what an amazing work he has done in our life. So in our text, in our Psalm before us tonight, we see the Lord doing some three different things. We see him gathering the outcast, healing the broken hearts and binding up wounds. That is a picture of the ministry of our Lord. He's always about that business, gathering unto himself outcasts, healing broken hearts and binding up their wounds. According to a study, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. I'm going to repeat that. And I'm telling you this last lecture call, I want you to take it as a challenge for the, for the summer. When you are on your vacation, don't go into your vacation mode in your spiritual life. This last psalm is a call for us to be sharper, for a call for us to be even more focused. So 95% of all Christians had never won a soul to Christ. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness for Christ. Less than 2% are actively involved in evangelism. 71% do not give towards the financing of the Great Commission. So tonight, I want us to concern ourselves with the thought of looking for wounded people during the Vietnam War, a certain nurse was the subject of much discussion. After a battle, she would wander away from the medical camp onto the battlefield itself. Sometimes she would personally drag in a soldier who was in desperate need of medical attention. More than once, she, she was reprimanded by the doctors. They told her she had no business on the battlefield. 
Not only that, she even brought in Vietnam Kong soldiers along with the Americans. One day after a big battle, an officer saw her on the battlefield amid all the sufferings, dying and death. He began to rebuke her. What are you doing on that battlefield? She said without hesitation, I'm looking for the wounded. That is what I am here for. When I read that story, it is such a great reminder of the fact that you and I as Christians have the same job. We are to be looking for the wounded people. We are called to go into the battlefield and drag the wounded, drag the helpless, drag the abandoned ones to the kingdom of God. When we got saved, Christ could have instantly taken all of us to heaven, but he did not. Instead, Christ left us here to go out and look for wounded people. In Luke chapter 14, verse 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. What is he saying? Go, look for the wounded. Go, drag the wounded. Go, drag the lost into my kingdom. Our primary job is to look for wounded people. God did not heal us so that we will remain in the cool zone. No, he healed us so that we will be in the battlefield. He binded our, our wounds so that we know what it is to be healed by the precious hand of the Lord. So our primary job is to look for wounded people. We are to go out into the battlefields of the world and find them and bring them to the great physician who can heal and bind up their wounds. Then we are to send them out into the battlefields to do the same. I want to ask you tonight, are you looking for wounded people? Are you still licking your own wounds? When already Christ has healed your wounds, are you still sitting and licking your wounds? Or are you looking for wounded people? Are you looking for those who have been wounded by sin? Are you looking for those who have been wounded by Satan? Are you looking for those who have been wounded by the society? Are you counted amongst the 98% of Christians who do not share Christ with others? Or do you fall into the 2% category where who actively participate in evangelism? Back in the book of Genesis, we find a woman by the name of Hagar. Out in the midst of the desert, she had her little son Ishmael, where they were outcasts of society. Sarah, because of jealousy, had sent her servant away. Society no longer had any use of for Hagar and her son. So Abraham gave them a little bottle of water and some food and sent them out into the desert. And there in the midst of the desert, when all their provisions were spent, Hagar, took her son and put him under a bush and walked away so she wouldn't have to watch him die. But then along comes the Lord. He asked Agar the question. You might ask, what's the Lord doing all the way out in the midst of the desert? God was looking for those who had been wounded by society. And when God found them, he took those who were outcast of society, gave them food and water and put them back in the place where they belonged. 
In Mark chapter 1, we find a poor leper who had been wounded by society. This man had a disease that made him repulsive to all. When he walked down the street, he had to cover his lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Nobody in the society could do anything for him because he was an outcast for his own family and friends. But there was one who came from heaven, born in Bethlehem's manger, walked across the shores and waters of Galilee, one who loved the outcast, the one who loved you and me, the one who came from heaven and was looking for the wounded people like you and me. And he came along to this leper. And when the lepers fell on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said, Lord, if thou wilt, you can heal me. What was he saying? I know you have the ability, but do you love me enough? Immediately, Jesus said, I will be thou clean. Now think about it. This one who had been wounded by society, who had been cast off, was instantly right back where he belonged. Then in John 4, we find a woman of ill repute coming to draw water from Jacob's well. She was an outcast from society. She had five husbands, was now living in sin. She was a fallen woman who needed help. Well, one day Jesus was headed her way. I must need to go to, through Samaria. That was Jesus' determination that day. The disciples did not understand that for the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They did not know it, but Christ was looking for wounded people. And you all know the story that Jesus gave her living water so that she could thirst no more. So are you looking for the outcast in your society? And there are people who have been wounded by themselves. And what is that? They have been wounded by their own pride. One of the greatest enemies of our soul is pride. And Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, pride goeth before destruction. It was because of pride that Naaman almost missed being healed. Uzziah was struck down by leprosy. Haman was hung on the gallows, caused the Pharisees to cry out, will not have this man to rule over us, give us Barabbas. Pride is a deadly enemy to the soul. Pride causes men not to humble themselves. And today's world is filled with so many wounded souls who are wounded by pride, that people who are embarrassed to admit their problem of sin. Too prideful to humble themselves before God. Too prideful to humble themselves and say, admit that they are sinners. Too proud to weep. Too proud to pray. Yet too proud. And our call is to look for the people who are wounding themselves. Maybe pride, maybe something else, we don't know. But our job and our mission as a Christian is to go and look for them. D.L. Moody said, I picture the world as a wrecked vessel, drawing nearer and nearer to destruction. God gave me a lifeboat and said, here, Moody, save all you can. D.L. Moody spent his entire life looking for those who were wounded. C.T. Sturt, that great missionary soul, gave away all of his money and spent his life on the mission field. He made one of the greatest statements outside the word of God. If Jesus Christ be God and he died for me, then there is no sacrifice too great to make for him. Sturt was out looking for the wounded. 
This psalm is a great reminder for us to know that it is high time we Christians get back to the basics of looking for the wounded people. You say, if you say, I don't have the time, it is a great reminder for you to thank God that he took time for you on the cross. He took time for you on the cross. He delayed his death by hanging there with pain and, sh and shame for you and me. You can't say that you don't have time. If you say that people are hard today, they are rejecting, listen, instead of saying that, why don't we just admit that we are powerless Christians and need the power of God? It is not they are hard today. It is, it is we are powerless today. We are running out of the power of God in our lives. You know, it is funny that, you know, we are so young and we have, many have not won anyone to Christ when a 77 year old man named Carl Hatch is winning everyone. This is about a man, Carl Hatch, who was in a church in Ohio, Ohio and once, and when he left the church, the next pastor came in and asked, The doctor, I asked him every person to stand that had been led to the Lord by Carl Hirsch. At that time, over 1,000 people stood to their feet. What was it because Carl simply had a great life story? No, he had the power of God. The same power is available to all of us here tonight. That is Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. For I will pour water unto him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And if you feel that you are, you are in a dry ground, God is saying that he will pour water upon you. Are you willing to be poured to, for the heaven's rain to fill you? Are you willing to be empowered by the power of the almighty God? Are you willing to be there for the wounded to go into the world and to search and find the lost because he healed you. He, he, he has healed your wounds because he has cared for your broken heart because he delivered you from the pit. He did not heal you to just live comfortably in, the, in your house, no. He healed you so that your heart can ooze out with praise so that others can see why are you praising God like this? Why are you crazy for God like this? So that your praise can catch attention, so that your praise can catch fire for him. So how is your praise life? Is your heart swelling with praise? Or are you still sitting and licking your wounds when, you're, when he has already binded your wounds? So tonight, let's approach God boldly, ask God for his power and do what we are commissioned to do, to go out looking for wounded people. We know the power of God. We know the strength of God. We know the Holy Spirit is living in each one of us beyond measures. Then what is stopping us from going into the world and snatching the wounded people? Then what is stopping us from leaping for joy? What is stopping us from praising God with the top of our lungs? So that our neighbors, our friends, people who are around us can catch fire with us. 
So what is stopping you? Again, I just want to remind you, as this is the last lecture call for this year, do not sit in your comfort zone. Do not be in that 98% category. This is a great psalm for us, encouraging us to jump in, into the 2% category where we will be a witness for Christ, that we will touch people wherever we go. And for that, God's presence need to fill us. For that, like we read in two Chronicles, we need to praise God and adore him, adore him and exalt him in such a way that his presence will overwhelm us. And we can go in that presence and in that power into the world, snatching out the wounded. Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, what a great psalm you have given us, Father God. Lord, you say that you delight in us, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, make us, Lord, to delight, Lord, in praising you, Father God. Make us, Lord, to delight, Lord, in worshiping you, Lord, in honoring you, Father God, in glorifying you, Father God. Lord, help us, Lord, not to forget, Lord, your absolute power, Lord, that you have given us, Lord. Your unlimited understanding you have given us, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, Make us to go into the world, Father God, who has been lost in sin, who has been under the influence of the Satan, Lord, who have been influenced under their own self of pride and being lost and being wounded, Father God. Help us, Lord, to sing praises to you, Father God. Help our hearts to swell up, Father God. Lord, help our minds not to look for what I can grab from you. What I can get from you instead, Lord, make us to be thankful, Lord, for the greatest blessings you have showered upon our lives, Father. And help us, Lord, to be, to live a thankful life, to live a life that is content in you, Father God. Lord, I pray when we say that we don't have time or are consumed with this and that, connect us, Father God, that you took time for us on the cross, Lord. How can we say, Lord, that we don't have time, Father? Lord, if we are saying that we don't have that power that everybody else has, I don't have the power, I don't have the words. Lord, your word says in Psalm 147, verse 9, he feeds the wild animals and the young ravens who cry to him for food. How much more you will give us the Holy Spirit, Lord, when we cry out to you, Father? Lord, when you say that your strength, your power is nothing, that a horse power is nothing, Lord, compares to your speed, Father God. How can we say, Lord, we don't have power when you are there, Father God? Lord, I pray, Father God, make us, Lord, to reverence you, Father God. Make us, Lord, to be swelled, Lord, with praise to you, Father God. Lord, make us to be people, Father God, who will, Lord, go and break down the iron bars, Father God. Lord, help us, Lord, not to be the people who will just dwell in your blessings, Father God. But make that blessing, Lord, to overflow in praise in our lives, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, as chapter, verse 14 says, He sends peace across the nations and spills your bonds with plenty of the finest wheat. Lord, help us, Lord, to be the people who will carry your peace across the nation, Father God. Who will the, be the people, Lord, who will carry your peace, Lord, to the lost, Father God, to the restless, Lord, to the depressed, Lord, 
to the worried soul or to the anxious soul, Father God, to the hardened heart, Father. Help us, Lord, to be that vessel, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, help us to know, Father God, that you are there for us, Father God. Lord, help us to know, Father God, that with you, Lord, with you, Lord, we can leap walls, Father God. We can scale mountains, Father God. With you, Father, in your power, Father God, we can do mighty things, Father. Lord, I pray, Father God, help us, Father God, to live a life of praise before you, Lord. And live a life of victory before you, Father God, singing hallelujah, Father. Lord, I pray, Father God, help us, Lord, to live, Lord, that victorious life in you, Father God. The calling, Lord, that you have given us, Father God, that we will not be lost in that, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father, give us the heart, give us that eyes, Father God, to go after, Lord, the people who need you, Father. Lord, as many people are traveling, Lord, in a group, Father God, to India, Father God. Lord, there is so many opportunities, Lord, limitless opportunities, Lord, when we sit in the flight, when we go in the bus, when we go in the Uber, and when we land in India, Father God, so many ways we can proclaim your goodness to others, Lord. Help, Lord, our next level members, Lord, to be filled and overflow with your presence, Lord, that we will rub on them, Father God, and your power will be felt by others, Father. Help us, Father God, in our vacation, Lord, not to slack off, Father God, not to be in the cool zone, Father, because we know if we are cool, you are going to spit us out. Lord, help, Lord, each one of us who cannot see that their wounds have been healed and who are still sitting and licking their wounds, I pray, open their eyes to see that they have been healed and they have been called for a greater purpose, Father. Elevate them, Lord, to that area, Father God. And I pray, Father God, for the people, Lord, who are living in a dry ground, help them, help them, Lord, to realize that, Father God, and help them, Lord, to cry out to you, Lord, to pour out your living water upon in their dry soul, Father God, and make them, Lord, to catch on fire for you, Father. Lord, I surrender our group to you, Father God, and I submit, Lord, all our leaders and Vinodhani you know, Ashes, prepare the group sheet, Father God. I pray, bless, and anoint the leaders. Bless each and every group members and the families, Father God, to have the eyes and the heart to do the mission that you have called us to do, Father. Help us, Lord, not to be ashamed when we meet you face to face, Father God, that our hands will not be empty, Father. Lord, I pray, Father, help us, Lord, deliver us, Lord, for being, Lord, in the 98% category, Father God. Help us, Lord, to bounce into that two-person category, Lord, who will, Lord, consistently, Lord, share your goodness, evangelize about you to others, Father. I pray that anointing, I pray that fire upon next-level group members and the leaders and the children, Father, that, Lord, each one of us, Lord, will be anointed by your power, Lord. Each one of us, Lord, will be anointed by your presence, Father God. Make us to spend the time with you, Father God, that we will see the Shekinah glory, Lord. Covering us, empowering us, Father God. Make us, Lord, to live a life of praise, Father God. Lord, help people to see the difference, Lord, when we say we are Christians, Lord. That we will be the people who will praise even in the midst of the storm, Father God. That we will praise even when the enemy is standing next to us, Father God. That we will not fear him, Lord. Our praise, Lord, will be exalted towards heaven, Father God. 
Give us that boldness. Give us that courage. Give us, Lord, that fire, Lord, to elevate you, Lord, higher and higher and higher. And praise you, Father God. Praise you, Lord. Say hallelujah, Lord, in the middle of our storms. Say hallelujah in the middle of our struggles. Because we know who you are, Father. You are a God whose speed is more than the speed of the horse. You are a mighty God, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We adore you, Lord. Destroy the callousness in our life, Father God. Destroy the lethargic spirit in our life, Father God. Destroy the slothful Christian life we are living, Father God. Lord, our lives will not bring shame to you. Our lives should bring glory to you, Father. Make us, Lord, to live that kind of a life. I submit, Lord, I group to you and I pray for your blessing. I pray for your anointing, Father God. May your hands protect and shield next level groups, families, and the people they touch, Father. And I pray for each and every churches, Lord, that was lifted here in next level, Father God, that our churches will catch on fire. Our nations will turn to you, Father God. Lord, the pulpit, Lord, will become holy, Father God. Lord, the pulpit will preach, Lord, the divinity of God, Father God, the mightiness of God, Father God, the powerfulness of God, Lord, not about their vacation, not about a football game, but the pulpit will preach the divinity of God, Lord. The fire will flow from the pulpit, Lord, to the people that are sitting in the audience, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father, make, Lord, the pastors, Lord, to be on fire for you, Lord. I lift up all the churches, Lord, that was represented here, Father God, to be on fire, Father God. Lord, I pray, refine those churches, Father God. Make that pulpit holy, Father God. To not to lose the precious second, Lord, that you have given us to exalt your name, not to exalt a football game or their personal life, Father God. I pray, Father God, make this nation, Father God, to elevate you, Father. Make this nation to turn to you from sinful ways, Father God. Make this nation, Father God, to run to your holy presence, Father God. Make this nation, Lord, to come, Lord, on their knees, Lord, to crying out to you, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, raise people here, Father God, to lift this nation up, Lord. Lord, you brought us to this nation, not for us, our belly to prosper, Lord. No, you brought us here for to prosper your kingdom, Father God. Make our eyes to be fixed on your kingdom mission here, Father God. And I pray, Father God, Make us, Father God, to give the reverence and honor to you where people, Lord, put their feet on the Bible, Lord, even in the church, Lord. I pray, Father God, make us to be the people, Lord, who change that culture, Father God, and give you the reverence, Lord, to elevate you and to exalt you and to glorify you, Father. I lift up the schools to you, Father God. Lord, all the evil things, Lord, that is going in this nation and the schools, Father.